and welcome to Cinema Hangover Podcast, where three completely unqualified individuals drink and talk about movies. My name is Shannon, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Oliver and Taylor. Woo! Yo, yo. And what are we drinking today, Taylor? All right, so today we're drinking bullet. Uh, what the fuck? <laughs> Why is it? I think oh. it's just bullet. Uh, that's what I thought, too, but it has like an I right before the T. Maybe it's like it's a bullet, bullet it's a in a wee- fancy a way, like bullet. No, yes, it's a whiskey. I don't think so. <laughs> yes. Well, basically, it's a Manhattan cocktail that's in a pre-prepared bottle, and it actually has a pretty cool design, and this is my first time trying this yeah, out. Yeah, so we're all going to try awesome. it, so cheers. Oh, cheers. cheers yeah. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, oh, Shannon oh. didn't... Holy <laughs> shit, it's actually not bad. As Shannon is slowly done. <laughs> that is a manly drink. D- and we're drinking this manly drink <laughs> for a coming of age boy movie. Of, yeah. This is like has to be what? Second or third coming of age at least boy movie? Because um, we've done one af- after Sun was a coming of age girl. That's movie. what I mean, but I'm just talking and then about one specific boys. And even it? though After Sun is now yet by the time this episode comes out After Sun will be out. True. So. Yeah. We're really into the coming of age movie. But I don't think True. we know it necessarily when we're picking them. I think we're just like kind of on an unintentional kick of these mm-hmm. type of movies. So yeah. It is fascinating but, though. Yeah. I'm starting to appreciate the genre. And they're all very right. different. All the di- different coming they are. movies we've watched, yeah. they've all been pretty different. And but this is filmed like 70, almost 70 years before coming, After Sun. So why don't you tell us? With a 99% Rotten Tomatoes score. What? Oh shit. Yeah. That is Wait, insane. Wait, 99%? Yeah. 400 blows. Made in 1959, is that right? 1959. 1959, mm-hmm. The Foreigner Blows, which is like the pinnacle uh, new wave French cinema movie. Okay. Yeah. Francis, France, Francis <clears throat> Truffaut? Francois Truffaut? Yeah, Francois Truffaut. That sounds right. That's the director. Mm. Um, and I'm just going to read the synopsis because yeah. you know I think that's the best way for me to not stumble over it. I it, think that's a good idea. It goes, for young Parisian boy Antoine Doinel probably butchering the name, sorry. Mm-hmm. Life is one difficult situation <laughs> after another. Surrounded by inconsiderate adults, including his neglectful parents, Antoine spends his days with his best friend, Rene, trying to plan for a better life. When one, when one of their schemes goes awry, Antoine ends up in trouble with the law, leading to even more conflicts with unsympathetic authority figures. I'm just going to say this right the fuck now. This might be jumping the gun, but I'm going to say it right now. Rene, that's the best friend's name? Yeah. That dude's the an ultimate fucking right. G. That dude is like your ride or die homie. He's like the Played prime template Patrick of it. Played Afray. Dude, that's the kid's name. Dude, yeah. that kid is fucking epic. Yeah, he's he's the like homie. the template of like Everyone your needs a friend like bro. that. Yeah. Yeah, dude, not backup bro. He is your bro. Like, he's the rider die. Yep. He was throughout the entire movie. He is just like he's got Antoine's back mm-hmm. in every way. It's yep. like insane. And Antoine, and Antoine by... has just shit being thrown at him left and right, I feel like. And yep. he just has this ride or die friend. Yep. That helps him get through it. Yeah. It's it's pretty cool. And Antoine's played by Jean-Pierre Loud, 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 I would say. Loud. Which I'm really curious to see, like how his acting career has manifested. So apparently, Francois Truffaut has made like I think five movies with that same actor, and they're all like he plays Antoine in each of them. Really? So this is like an evolving series. I think it's a series of five movies of the same character, Hmm. and this is the first one. Okay, now I want to watch the rest. Yeah, I, I don't don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty positive. 
about that. That's pretty so, crazy. That begs the question. I do want to ask this question, like from the jump. Why is it called four hundred blows? So four hundred blows is actually a um, it comes from the it, idiom. Idiom. Say it. Fair les quatre cents coups. <laughs> Did I say that right? To raise hell is what it means. Oh, yeah, okay. oh, that's which perfect. is that's perfect. perfect. Yeah, mm. yeah, and and this movie. So we watched it. Actually, all of us watched it last night together. And we were going to do what we did with After Sun, which we kind of learned our lesson. If you've listened to the <laughs> After Sun podcast, that in a movie that's seems like only few movies translate that quickly from couch to recording. Mm-hmm. So we decided instead of recording last night, we would all sit on it. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't it. do it last night. <laughs> I had to sit on it. And I think that's fair, too, with a movie that has this much praise and has been this impactful to like cinema. I mean, essentially every great director ever has quoted 400 Blows as being inspirational to them or like one of their favorite movies. I mean, Steven Spielberg, I'm pretty sure Akira Kurosawa. Jesus. Um, like, like all of the greats, they, uh, Martin Scorsese, like all, all of them have quoted 400 Blows in one way or another. And so I think that's fair. After finishing yeah. it late last night, instead of just immediately jumping to the table, which I kind of wish we had done with After Sun, given mm-hmm. it a day. Yeah, but for sure. I also are. like didn't, I I had no idea what this movie was about. I didn't even know it was a coming crime drama. Yeah, that's what I read. But obviously, I read something else. If you think like that last third of the film would be even closer to crime drama, it's like no, that's like a beyond stretch. I don't know where I read that. Yeah, it's literally labeled as a drama slash crime. So maybe it's which uh, is like very misleading. And the I mean. He yeah. does like he, I guess I guess no, from like a ten year old standpoint like maybe like until yeah, like the end. if you are going into this movie and you are just seeing that it's a drama crime movie, uh, no, yeah, you're this misled, is not. Yeah. You're very misled, and that's also part of the reason why why last night I was like, okay, I need a night to like think on this movie, just because I wasn't prepared for it to be a coming of age movie, mm. and yeah. not that that it was a bad movie. It's just like I was expecting something else. So then when it ended, I was like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) And not in a bad way. I was like, okay, I need to sit on this for a night and like look back on it and like appreciate everything that it was and Mm. not just like be stuck on the fact that it wasn't a crime drama. Like I was expecting. Yeah, you had to like readjust your expectations in a way. Yeah. Yeah, and I think something, I think the first immediate takeaway that I had from this movie right as soon as it started was it's it was really cool to watch just like what life was kind of like in the fifties, mm-hmm. like the setting. Yeah. yeah, the setting we, is really we remi- cool. Like, we not reminiscent, reminisced because we were not alive during that <laughs> Back time. Now, day we <laughs> we sat there and like we're talking about that in the movie, like just how crazy it is, how they grew up and how life was for them. And it was interesting. It was interesting because Jean Pierre, the actor mm-hmm. who plays Antoine, um, afterwards we watch a clip of. Uh, like the, the the clip about the movie afterwards that was filmed back in the fifties, um, I think at the for the Cannes Festival or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was and Cannes it's pretty interesting Festival. to hear him say, like, oh no, this is exactly what it's like to be like a fourteen year old. Which is like, crazy. That but... Francois Truffaut like like nailed it basically and, yeah. and captured it. And it's so crazy because it's so foreign to us. Like mm-hmm. it's not how any of us grew up. And it's Oh, like, for sure. 
And I mean, there's a lot of things that carry through still. Like, there's a lot of things that are like, oh, this is kind of universal for kids growing up. Like, oh, every kid, like, butts heads with their parents. And every kid, like, has done these things or, you know, wanted to play hooky or whatever it might be. Mm. But then there's aspects of it that's, like, very foreign, especially, I think, for kids nowadays. Like, Mm. he's just, like, rolling cigarettes and, like, (laughs) smoking cigarettes. Dude, there's at one point the dude's, like, rolling cigarettes, like, um... Uh, this is a mini spoiler, but he's rolling cigarettes in this jail cell. And he's like, dude, are you like 35? Like expertly, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? These kids actually all grow Drinking and shit. wine and like, yeah, you know, it's it just, oh. it was, yeah, it was pretty interesting to just hear how accurate it, you know, apparently was. Yeah. And I think a lot of it still rings true today. Um, that, but, but the, the I think it was just, there. I think it was just really interesting for me right off the bat to kind of be so immersed in the setting. Mm-hmm. You know, and a part of that too is the cinematography and the camera work is stellar. Mm-hmm. It's a really good looking movie. Mm-hmm. There's so many really cool wides, and a lot of times there'll be like these wide shots where you can just see Paris in the background, mm-hmm. or you can just see the, you know, the, the, sh- the a beach or something where you can just see super far in the distance, mm-hmm. and it really frames the characters in it. Really cool, really to, good looking. To that point, it really introduced a different side of Paris that I don't think is really explored that much in other films because of the fact that oftentimes when we see Paris, there's always this emphasis on showcasing the iconic architecture and key buildings that oftentimes are associated with Paris. But with this being a coming-of-age film showcasing a family that's in much more of a poorer state, you get to see the much more like authentic Paris, I guess, where you get to see how school life is, how kids actually how interact with environment. Or how it was, yeah. I should say, yeah. And... I kept having in my mind the idea that this is like a post-World War II movie where this is about, what, like 15 years after like the end of the war and everything, 14, mm-hmm. 15, and it's still relatively fresh in a lot of people's minds. Hell, their parents were al- alive during this era. Mm-hmm. So it was just interesting seeing like this is the setting of one of the most well-known European cities in the world mm-hmm. and how life was like during this era. So it was mm-hmm. kind of like a, like my historical, you know, Nerdum was like, oh my god, it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cool, and it's it's cool too because it's 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 set in the time in the place that it's actually at. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's trying to be like you know in the future or this is like you know during World War II or anything like that. Like this is set in the fifties in Paris. Right. It actually brings up a really good point because oftentimes when we consider a lot of the films that give us in better understanding or some insight of what things were like historically especially in like the early half of the 20th century oftentimes is the recreation element of it trying to capture Mm -hmm. the clothing the vehicles the aesthetics all that jazz being able to see from a very authentic standpoint something that was actually captured during that time really does create a different understanding of things because the way the people interact the way the dynamics between, you know, the general populace, all of those elements come into play. That nuance, that's something that's not as easily captured. Yeah. So It kind of acts like a time capsule. It does. You know, yeah, it, and it's really cool. Yeah, I agree. It's super cool. Oh. Shannon's making faces because she's Having not a fantastic experience with Manhattan. Yeah, I'm just not a whiskey gal. No, how are maybe some fireball? I mean, wait, hold up, wait, pause. Did you just say fireball? Oh my god, we were so while we were talking, you were on your phone looking something up. What were you looking up? Oh, I just thought it was so. One of the things that I read that was interesting is Mm -hmm. how I mean, it's I guess it's not that interesting now that you're putting me on the spot like this, but so they put out an ad for 
and Antoine's character. Mm-hmm. Um, and like 60 boys responded to it. And oh. Jean-Pierre um, was one of the 60 boys and he just like really wanted it. And so the director picked him and just kind of like let him kind of do his own thing and say his own thing. Like a lot of his lines, it sounds like were improvised and yeah. just like his own words, which I thought were pretty cool. You brought up how we watched something at the end and there was like a scene where he's like talking to... It was to a clip a, of like the reception after the can. Yeah, festival. but they were they were interviewing him and he was talking to a therapist at part of the movie and director was kind of just like, just answer the questions as you would answer them. Just as like an adolescent boy, like how would you answer them? And it kind of sounds like a lot of his lines were like that. Yeah. Just kind of like improv. And I think I think that's not only really cool for Jean Pierre, but I think it was also I think it was also necessary in making this movie like an authentic mm-hmm. an authentic move like coming of age story mm-hmm. because like I th- I think a lot of the disconnect a lot of the time in movies like this is when a director or writers are, you know, they're not coming of age anymore yeah. and they're writing these stories that yes, they can be authentic with your life experiences, but I don't know that they cut through the same way as somebody that's like currently that age. Yeah, especially when you're like writing for a child actor, yeah. it like can just be kind of cringe sometimes. Right. It sounds like this like really skyrocketed his career too, Jean Pierre. Yeah. So that's it's pretty neat. It was really cool to see the footage of the reception to the movie after it ended, like the everybody applaud and then they like mm-hmm. picked up Jean Pierre and were like, you know, cheering him yeah. on and it was just really cool to see. Yeah, it was Cool. I mean, this movie's like won like 100 mm-hmm. awards too, so. Holy shit. Well, considering we've been talking a lot about the contextual elements of the film, I think it would be appropriate and also help out the audience to note like what actually happens in this film. And it's a pretty typical coming-of-age story, but it's just interesting because of the setting and the mm-hmm. historical time it's also set in. So Antoine is the main character's name, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's a 14-year-old boy who is attending this all-boys school, and he's known to be a bit of a troublemaker, a bit of a delinquent, and he lives with his mother and father, and he has a bit of a... he's it, At early stages, it looks like he's a bit closer to his well, father pretty, compared to his mother. So he has a pretty rocky relationship with his parents, mm-hmm. and we find out later on in the film that he lived with a wet nurse for a while, yeah. and then lived with his grandmother for a while, and his yeah. grandmother died, and mm-hmm. then he moved back, I think, when he was like eight or nine with right. his parents. Right. Come to find out, the dad is not actually his dad. Mm-hmm. His biological his, dad. His biological dad, which in the beginning of the movie... You would not have... You wouldn't that. have really known that, no. but also there is a scene where they are learning how to speak in English, mm-hmm. and they're asking, where is the father? Where mm-hmm. is the father? And that's like something that was significant throughout the whole movie, because mm. you never actually figure out who his biological father was. Right. Were they, were they were saying that in the English class? Mm-hmm. Mm. And so when like, I was like, like reading... Sentences or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's oh. interesting because another one of the sentences was like um, something along the lines of like she is at the beach. Yeah. yeah. So like all those things the, kind of I play guess. into like the film. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I think I think something that I found again we can get back into this. Yeah. Sorry to yeah, kind yeah, of cut you no, off no, no, on no, that. Sure, sure. <laughs> but, but just in regarding to the you know how deliberate it is, I I found the writing really pretty brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like there's so many scenes in the classroom that are just like so funny dude it's and like so, so many, authentic like, it was yeah like, dude I, I feel like it's just these really kids are like they're actually just a bunch of random boys it's just like <laughs> really brilliant like really in writing that well like, yeah when i was reading that and that was like brought up i like completely forgot about that but i'm like yeah mm. that kind of like ties into the whole film same i guess same with the beach part yeah as well it just like yeah, it's everything like, was like very well it, done. It almost has like a borderline like documentary like type of like style to, like feel to it because mm-hmm. like you're literally getting a snapshot of someone's life, and I think yeah. that was the whole purpose mm-hmm. is that you're trying to get a snapshot into this person's life. Well, it's all it's. I think it's also like you're getting, and and I'll <clears throat> let you get back back yeah. to kind of this the actual synopsis, but you're getting like a snapshot of this boy's life in like a downward spiral or like it, this. In, in like a point, series yeah. of unfortunate events like like keep happening to him. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's also out of his own choices as well. Mm-hmm. It is, but also I think a lot of it has to do with he's just also surrounded with a bunch of authority figures in his life that don't look out for him. He has like, don't... yeah, shitty, kind of shitty parents. Well, Kind of a shitty teacher. Well, here's the thing. At first, then I think we have this perspective because of what we've learned over the course of the film. But early on, you... The way that he is portrayed and he operates, he's just a delinquent kid that's just, mm-hmm. like, fucking around. Not too badly. It's just that he... It's almost like a typical teenage boy's experience where, like, they don't want to be in school. They want mm-hmm. to do other shit. And early on, it did seem as if, like, the relationship he had with his parents was, like, typical of what a teenage boy would have. Mm-hmm. Like, the mother's a bit critical about the kid. The dad's, like, a bit all, like, you know... Not exactly aloof, but he tries to make fun of mm-hmm. the situation, try to keep things lighthearted. But as the film progresses, you do learn more and more of, like, what's happening. Mm-hmm. The parents are struggling in terms of trying to raise him because he's being more resistant and rebellious. He is just, like, done. He's reached his wit's ends, and mm-hmm. he's trying to, like, find carve out something for himself. Mm-hmm. And as you continue further in seeing his adventures, you realize, as he explains in this backstory, like, why all this is happening, you realize, oh, he's actually reacting to a lot of the circumstances he's experienced yeah. in his life. He's he overheard a lot of, like, mm-hmm. arguments with a lot of shit being said about he's him. Also, he also caught his mom cheating on his dad. Yeah. That was a huge one. I was like, ooh! So it's oh, like, fuck. this kid's not getting dealt the best cards. No. And as most kids do, you kind of rebel well, and mm-hmm. act out. Oh, and yeah. then the other thing, too, is that it it really does seem that when he does try to kind of get his life back on track. It only backfires on him. Oh, yeah. And then everybody kind of flips out on him. Mm -hmm. And And so he just swings even further the other way. It's an unfortunate thing because it seems as if that, at first, he is aware of his own background that led to his upbringing. So he feels this sense of not being wanted and neglected Mm -hmm. and somewhat, in many ways, abandoned. On top of that, as you just mentioned, whenever he tries to adjust into the right correction yes he's gonna make mistakes make mistakes along the way because he's a goddamn kid mm-hmm. so when he does make those mistakes he gets beaten down hard because he has a history of being a delinquent and lying and there's actually a really damn good line that's mentioned in one of the most important scenes i wish i had written end. down some of the great lines in this because there's a lot there's yeah. a lot yeah. and funny enough um, when looking at the feature uh feature t that pops up in the DVD that we were checking out, and they have that interview with the young actor. He mentions that one of the most important scenes is actually what pops up near the end of the film when he's having this discussion with the psychologist. Mm-hmm. And it is one of the most important scenes because it provides so much context behind mm-hmm. everything. At one point, uh, the psychologist asks him, like, okay, so you were known to be a liar. And he's like, why do you lie? And he's like, well, yes, I lie from time to time, but 
oftentimes, even when I tell the truth, my parents can't tell, so I just lie because it's easier. Yeah. Right. And it's one of those instances where he himself doesn't feel as if he can go on the honest path because no one will believe him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it just creates this compounding effect of, even if I try, I'll get fucked over. So why the fuck should I even it's also, go down? It's this also route? supposed to be kind of the it's supposed to be kind of the the climax or like the crux of the entire arc of the story too, because he's talking to the psychiatrist very candidly. Oh yeah. And he's kind of making light of these things, but he's talking about these things that like a kid really shouldn't have to experience, like being raised by a wet nurse and then being raised by a grandma and then like mm-hmm. He's talking about like stealing money and like well, he like he he like found out that his mom wanted an abortion and that the only reason she didn't have one was because of the grandma and how like her his parents always are fighting mm-hmm. like he like overhears all these things that like he just shouldn't have to deal yeah. with and then when he does like I said then when he does try to make do the right thing like he one of the big moments in the movie is when he they he has this really great night with his parents <clears throat> where they go to the movies and it seems like they're actually a family unit yeah no once. they actually look like and they have like a lot of fun sure. and it's a great moment and then it's also around like his his mom says like hey i'll i'll pay you some money if you are in like the top five of your class for this essay that's coming up yeah and you see him like actually really Putting try to put in effort albeit he does plagiarize something right but, but it kid. seems like he's like inspired by what he's reading or something and yeah he like puts a lot of effort into this essay, actually tries. The teacher finds out that he plagiarizes it. But like, yes, he plagiarizes it. But like, I almost like saw that like as he didn't really know any better. Because right. like the way that he reacted, like it seemed like he was like genuinely. He's reading about a confused moment. Confused by it. Well, yeah, he's like reading about a moment where it's like he's he's reading this dialogue and it ends with like. Eureka, and you can see that that Eureka dialogue that he's reading is also the Eureka that he's having. That this is like great writing, or right? Something. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to reference it by placing it. In and his so essay. he basically submits this essay and gets like an immediate F and puts it on blast in front of the entire class, which is yeah, the somewhat, teacher was kind of. Oof. But I think yeah. that's somewhat frequent for for that class from what we were seeing. Mm-hmm. However, the real issue comes from when he goes home. He's kind of like created this altar to this writer mm-hmm. that he's like trying to emulate because he's inspired by him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and then he accidentally burns the altar, and, and it causes like his entire you know family to freak out on him. And mm-hmm. it it it's again, it's like another example of him trying to get on the straight and narrow, and then it kind of backfires. This is a so, prime. Oh, oh go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, the re- this really showcases. And this has been show, uh, displayed in other films, and I think this is one of the potentially an early example from the cinematic standpoint of this being captured, of how when you have a character that has a history of having a bad reputation, and he's known for it, it is that reputation that is almost like a chain that prevents him from being able to course correct. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that chain is being expressed through the external factors, whether it's his close loved ones and teachers and all that jazz, because they recognize him from all of his past actions. So even if he tries to do something honest, they always have that perspective that's skewed towards, oh, no, he's just trying to try to pull something on us. Mm-hmm. So it's unfortunate because it is a circumstance where he, yes, I know he's a kid, but he set himself up in a way. But that's the unfortunate thing because he's a kid. He's going to make these mistakes. and He's a bit in like a damned if you do, damned if you don't type situation. Exactly. So it begs the question, like how much patience and leniency do you offer someone like this 
with if you don't know enough of the context and it's truly at the end of the film where you get a better understanding of like oh this is why he is the way he is mm-hmm. yeah, but and, and without that context you just think he's just a troublemaker you know and it's it's inter- there's another interesting scene too where the mom is talking <clears throat> to the police chief about him because this is after again i guess we kind of skipped a big chunk of the movie but mm. towards the end he gets sent to this um Observation camp, I think it's called, or it, something. It's almost like it's a, almost like a military youth camp. Yeah, basically, yeah. It's like where they send, yeah, like juvie. Almost. Yeah, and because uh, he steals the typewriter. His, yeah, yeah. Which, we, which we can talk about. Father's but, company, but he, but then he returns it, which he doesn't need yeah. to do. Yeah, you know, yeah, which is again, kind of it's showcasing as conscious. But yeah. but anyways, his mom comes in and is kind of like, is there any way, any way we could put him at a camp that has like a beach or something and trying to give him something? Yeah, but then the cop is talking to him and the cop starts starts asking her questions and like one of them is like uh he mentioned that he spent like weekends alone is that like is that true and she was kind of like well yeah he's you know he spent weekends alone because you know his father and i are busy and blah blah, blah. but you kind of get these like you're kind of drip fed indications that yes he's not the greatest kid but you also like his parents are his parents try but also he's put he just is dealt unfortunate cards right so you know, like, what like, i was gonna say mm-hmm. is like one of the big things that I kind of picked up on is like he's very much just like kind of existing at his home. Like yeah. he's almost kind of had to like hide in the shadows around his family. And like, mm-hmm. I mean, he literally doesn't even have a bedroom. Mm-hmm. He, no, he, he kind of he he sleeps, like, sleeps like in, sleeps the, hallway in the hallway. To the, yeah. And then there's like a scene too where the stepdad brings up how he had given the mom money to buy new sheets for. Um, Antoine and she never bought them. She basically pocketed it and she's like, he's fine in his sleeping bag. And there's like multiple things where it's just kind of like shows that he's just like kind of like existing there. It's almost as if he's being treated as a burden. Yeah. And so it's it's like, I almost like typical fashion for a kid. Like when that is happening, they're going to try to get attention some way. And acting out is like the the easiest way to do it. It's an escape. It, yeah. it happens, I mean, it, also it's another indication of, like, kind of the bad environment that he's growing up in, in that, like, his mom clearly pockets money all the time <laughs> from mm-hmm. from her husband and from him. Mm-hmm. And there's an example at the end when he's talking to the psychiatrist where he talks about how he stole money from his grandma because she, like, wouldn't notice, and she didn't notice. Mm-hmm. And then he, she still gets, she gives him a book or something as, like, right. a present, and once his mom found out that he got this, that he stole and he got this book, she took the book from him and instead of giving it back to the grandma, she sold it and took the money. Yeah. Which is yeah. another just kind of like example of like he's emulating these things that he sees in adults and that's, too. And that's, that was brought up a couple times, the mom like selling things for money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and he's, he's I think really what it is is he's just seeing all these behaviors in his, his parents and in adults that he, you know, is surrounded with and he kind of copies it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also the case too that when you really consider a lot of the behaviors, I'm really focusing on like the mother's standpoint because this is where a lot of these more, I would say, negative side of behaviors come. Are like you can definitely observe it. It's almost as if like a lot of the more, you know, divisive things that the kid is doing is in response to the way his mother has treated him in mm-hmm. the past, and he just and often in many ways he feels unwanted, he feels neglected, and he's. Hell, there's even a point in the film where he says, I just don't want to go to school. Let me just go to go and work because yeah. he's mm-hmm. wanting to like get out of the situation where he doesn't feel 
has a place. Mm-hmm. He wants to be able to like, make something of himself. And there's a moment where he's talking to Renee, his friend, and talking about how, oh, he's going to go to this military youth camp. And they were both kind of like, well, maybe that's not the worst thing ever because then you don't have to go to school and you have a job. And you can travel. Yeah. And you can travel, yeah. yeah. They're but trying to make it, light of it as yeah. many ways as they but can. But it is interesting because he does, you do mm-hmm. see him have pick up these traits that he's seeing from the adults in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and like one of the ones that pays off quickest is he's in the cell with this older man when he gets thrown in jail he's like literally put in a jail cell (laughs) with this like adult and the adult you know asks him what like why are you in here and he says like oh i i think i like i stole or something like that Mm -hmm. and then you know antoine asks the guy he's like well why are you in here and the guy's like oh you know and then later on when antoine is sent to the youth you know the juvie or whatever a kid asks Antoine, like, oh, why are you in here? And he says, oh, you know, like, the same way. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, like, a kind of immediate payoff how he is seeing, like, he's he's seeing these traits in adults that he's picking up on himself, and you can't really blame him. He's right. Like, yeah. Well, I'm curious, too, like, if a good chunk of his behavior, like, I, I agree with, like, that is a great callback and I would say payoff of what he experienced. I'm just curious, how much do you think of his delinquency is as a result of emulating the from what he sees in adults versus him reacting to the lack of, I would say, consideration he gets from adults. I, I think, think it has a lot. I think it's like multiple aspects. Mm-hmm. I really do. Yeah, yeah. There's I, multiple moving parts to it. And it's like, like if you think about like you, you at that age, like mm. that really is such a like pivotal time in your life. Like you mm-hmm. kind of choose your path in life around that age. Yep. Your you, foundation is kind of set. S- you figure out if you want to be this troublemaker, if you want to like do good in school and like be a doctor or whatever, like it's Mm -hmm. a huge point in your life. And I just don't think he had any good influences to like lead him to the right way. We've already dropped multiple spoilers, but to speak to your point, I'm just going to spoil the ending of the movie. Yeah. Um, So the whole time, at least the way that I interpret it was the whole time Antoine's kind of like, actively seeking freedom from like this like authoritarian adults in his life mm-hmm. and he's actively seeking freedom to make his own decisions and free like just freedom in general mm-hmm. like all kids do kind of yeah and the biggest and he has the means moment, to do it which is crazy mm-hmm. the biggest payoff and moment of this is he when he runs away from that youth academy he just mm-hmm. run like one he just runs forever like yeah it's like a I long like, take run, force, run. Which is pretty, <laughs> there's a few different like it's pretty impressive because also it's a pretty long dolly shot when you think about mm-hmm. like in the 50s and, but anyway oh yeah from a technical, technical standpoint there's yeah. a bunch of cool shots for, camera, when you're like work. there's another yeah. cool shot if we're talking about cool shots mm-hmm. on top the gym, of the building yeah the gym yeah. coach oh it's, yeah it's a really funny scene shot, too yeah. there's this gym coach that's like running all the kids you know down paris and you just see groups of them like breaking off and yeah. running away and i love this and it's like this top down shot but uh, anyway, so <laughs> it's you know Antoine's just looking for freedom, and and he finally he's never seen the beach, and he talks about that before, like I've never seen yeah. the ocean, I've never seen the beach. And at the end of the movie, how it kind of comes to a head is he's like running away from this youth camp. He's completely on his own. It's this wide shot as he's running across the beach, and he reaches the water, and you can kind of see it that he like finally gets this freedom that he's he wants, and now comes like the hard part. Like now it's like what next? Yeah, he's, what do like, you do reached, with this freedom? Mm-hmm. He's reached this everything he's been searching for, right? The ocean is like a metaphor and the, you know, like this beach is the metaphor for like, he's finally free from everybody. Mm-hmm. And now what kind of, mm-hmm. and I think that's that, that's a, kind of what you were just saying, Shan. It's like this big moment where everybody has it, where it's like, okay, now I've kind of, now I'm on the path or gotten what I wanted. Now what? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you see, and it's the movie ends on a freeze frame of his face and you can see it all like in his face. Yeah. Like, 
where yeah. he's like, he's re- he's gotten it. And he's now, like, oh, fuck, what do yeah, I do now? Now what do I do? Yeah. Like, you know, and it, the it's The freeze a big... frame ending is pretty crazy. Because mm-hmm. it's like kind of sudden. Because yeah. you anticipate this more, but it's like, nope, this is it. But like, there's oh, also shit. like so much emotion and like feeling in his face mm-hmm. when it, it freezes. And it's like very... He's impactful. finally gotten what he wanted and he doesn't know what to do next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's not Because he's not even, he doesn't even seem like, like it's not like he has a huge smile on his face. It's like. He's anxious. He's like, you yeah, can just kind of see. Out, you know? Anxiety. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is what makes, this actually presents an interesting, I would say, point to consider where when you look at the film in previous scenes, when he's interacting with his parents, there's a couple of instances where both his mother and father have expressed in their own way how important it is for him to stay in school because it gives you opportunities. It gives you the means to be and able also, to navigate. It also feels a little bit, and not to me cut you off, but mm. it also feels a little bit like they want him to do... Like, Good to take care of them. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Not at all. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, was like, oh. I was like, oh, that's kind of what I was no, thinking. I, what I was going to say is it, it seems like a, a, a trope that you see in these coming-of-age movies a lot is like the parents wanting better for their child than they have themselves. Yep. And oh, there's, a, there's a moment. Uh, well, there's his a moment. mom was just kind of icky to me. Well, yeah, she was. But, but the, the, really quick, and I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. going to let Taylor finish, but, re, but really quick, um, there's a moment where she is saying the importance of him finishing school, and she what she uses as an example is, you know, your father and I didn't complete school. Yep. And, yeah. and yep. so I think what, what the comparison is, is like, look at where we're currently at. You want better than this. Finish school. And I will say this. There was a redeemable element to the mother, and this was not... I know I know what you mean, but trust me, I feel you, but here's what I mean. So there's a point where when Antoine first runs away, at least in the context of this film, and he's gone for like, if not a couple of days. He's you gone mean for after he saw her cheating and she didn't want the dad to know, so she pretended to be all nice to her son? No, no, no. Well, this is what happened, so... Because that's how I feel. So what... <laughs> From what I recall, there was a point where him and his friend Renee played hooky and they saw the mom they cheating the, like, oh, oh shit. Gravitron. Exactly, exactly. And <laughs> oh, then the that Gravitron. was a funny scene. I do love that scene. Yeah. So afterwards, they go to school and the kid, he gets ratted out and he, him and his friend Renee are like, well, shit, I'm fucked. What the hell do I do? And he doesn't want to go home and deal with this shit. So he's like, fuck it. I'm just going to run away. So he goes out on his own for a couple of days, but circumstances happen that he's brought back. His mother actually it, it almost seems as if she was worried to like a pretty heavy degree and was just happy to have him home like by the time like he's back home she's she him, was she's worried him. because he wrote a letter no and was... the letter no and the letter said we'll talk about what everything happened? that's happened yeah well, I thought at the some idea, time well, I thought the idea behind when, it was about him moving, no like, away. because then when he then she like f- freaks out and literally the first thing she says when yeah, he like puts yeah, her, right. he, she's like saying. being all nice and she puts him in bed. And the first thing she says is like, so what did you mean by that? Oh, yeah. It's because he saw her yeah. kissing another man yeah. and she didn't want really him funny. to <laughs> say something. From her perspective, that's what she, yeah. he, she, she thinks is, he's referring to. And no, he's referring she's, to like. She's <laughs> icky. So I don't she, like her. She is, she is icky. I agree. Um, <laughs> I think, I think there are moments where like. No. There are, shim- <laughs> I think that there are shimmers of of her actually caring about Antoine coming through, but I think overall she's very selfish and yeah. just like wanting. But in that same, she literally really, didn't that- raise her child for more than half his life. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think it's, and then I made think him it's sleep really in a hallway when they're reading that letter. Though the dad's reading the letter and it's like he's reading it out loud and something like 
hi, mother and father. I understand that you will both be upset. He's like, he's reading it. And he's like, understand is misspelled, of course. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, so like, just reading this runaway letter. Such, very, a, like, such a father yep. thing to do. That's I very, understand like, that you were both that upset. Fair, misspelled, of course. Like, <laughs> really funny, like. See, that's the thing. The dad has such redeemable qualities to him, but at the same time, he does reach his wit's end. I feel like the dad has a lot of good qualities. Yeah, he tries. But I feel he like... He tries, but he, the, he reaches his the, wit's end. The thing that probably is hard for Antoine is that it's not actually his father. I don't know if that's hard for Antoine. It doesn't seem like... Maybe that it's not hard, but I'm sure that plays a factor into a lot of things. You wouldn't consider it at first, because I thought... No, not at at, first. At at the earliest onset... He treats him like his own. Yeah, exactly. And I I often... You would not think that Antoine would think of his father differently, because they seem to have a pretty solid relationship at first. I I actually didn't feel like Antoine disliked his father at all, except for the fact that that his father is really hard on him. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, so is his to mother, a degree, but... yeah. Like, the, oftentimes the father... I mean, he... his father comes in and slaps him in front of the classroom. Yeah. But, well, yeah, he for did sure. say his mother died. Yeah, it was pretty rough. <laughs> and that's the thing. The dad... Then, that was another... Sorry. The... That was another selfish moment from the mom where she's like, why do you say I was the one that died? Like, yeah. <laughs> that just goes to show that, that she Anyways, yeah. sucks yeah. and is icky. That was pretty funny. But there was a point where... It showcases the dad trying to be lenient, trying to bring a happy experience to things. And hell, there's even a point where... Ask you know, your mom if a dish towel is burning. Yeah, exactly. He, <laughs> he tries to keep things lighthearted. And he doesn't... It, it seems, at least when you look at this film, and maybe I'm reading in too much into it, the dad does not want to treat Antoine or discipline him in any way. He just wants him to be better. Mm-hmm. Both of them do. Mm-hmm. And hell, there's a point where he's talking to the police chief after, you know, he steals the typewriter. He explains to him what he's done. It's like, we try to be kind, we try to be harsh and all that stuff. We've done all these things except hit him. We haven't done that. And then the police chief's like, well, you know, the old ways were pretty damn good. And he's, mm-hmm. like, and he's like, eh. Well, and that's the interesting thing. And it almost echoes in that, many ways what we... That ex- was so funny to me, though, like the old ways, because yeah. I mean, hitting was a thing for a while yeah like it's honestly one of those things that's like i wouldn't be surprised if it's perpetuated throughout human history type of deal so it's like what was that not a thing and then i mean it had to have been a thing in the 1959 i mean you see see, antoine gets slapped a few times yeah but But when they say they're talking about like in terms of disciplinary like i mean i think people got beat up until like in that time, 15, a slap 20 was not years considered. Ago. Uh, to that point, a slap wasn't considered a hit. Like a hit would have been like like a hit. Like yeah, but I mean, didn't you didn't <laughs> you guys get beat as kids? I was an angel. Shut oh. <laughs> you never got the belt. <clears throat> no, I was an angel. Or the wooden spoon. <clears throat> no, it was or the hanger. Oh, you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> or the or the I'm just I'm just anticipating you going up the chain or like or the broadsword <laughs> or the spiked club. Don't forget the switch. The switch yeah, is like yeah. someone's gonna like Woo! port me to CPS. <laughs> not me to CPS. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, as an adult, I do not have any kids. Do not report me to CPS. <laughs> but um, but no, no, it's fascinating because it, there's little hints in the film that highlights what the parents are experiencing from an internal standpoint of what they're trying to do, mm-hmm. but they don't know how to navigate their child in a way that will course correct them. And I honestly think this is a very common circumstance that parents find themselves when it comes down to, to their children. And it can I, be echoed in, like even in a contemporary it, it standpoint. Does, it does ring out that <clears throat> they really do feel like they have no idea what to do. It, oh, it no, feels, for sure. it, it definitely feels like 
obviously the decisions that they've made raising Antoine good or bad has led them to this point where it's like I think now I read they too that she had him at back in the 17. Oh, oh yeah, that'll do it. Did, he, did she say that? I don't know, but I think I read that somewhere that that was like. I don't know if that's. I read. I think I read that underneath the criterion, like the Criterion collection, um, like overview about it, like Mm -hmm. that. Basically, she had him at seventeen, and then she married um, the father at eighteen. Yeah. Yeah, Well, it's clear that that father has been in Antoine's. That's all he knows. Throughout, throughout, yeah, throughout. That is his dad. Yeah, but not his biological dad. So it's like Mm -hmm. they. At least she was. It didn't really say how old he, the dad was, but mm. at least she was like a very young mother. She yeah. obviously and, had and, no idea what she was doing. And you can mm. tell that too. I think there's a, there's actually a few. There's a, uh, she's very clearly, um, I wouldn't say concerned, but she is conscious of how she looks. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like they live in this very poor household, like this tiny like one bedroom apartment basically in Paris, and mm-hmm. uh, but she comes in with like the nice fur jacket. Mm-hmm. And she's like very conscious of like her lacy leggings and There's her even makeup. Scene she's like checking herself in the mirror. Yeah, sure. She's like she's looking, but which yeah. is yeah. which is fine. But uh, there is also a scene where she comes and visits Antoine in that like youth camp, mm-hmm. and the camera is looking at her face, and it pans up to this fur hat that she's wearing. Where it's like, oh it's, yeah, without saying anything, it's also kind of genius camera work. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. without saying anything, it's very clear that like this is a, a new fur hat yeah. that she has. It seems like she's kind of just pilfering money from the husband to pay and for Antoine's things. And Antoine's like noticing this. He's like paying attention. To she's that. also sleeping with her boss, <laughs> which, you know, that yeah. affects, I guess, the paychecks. Yeah. And the dad kind of knows it too and jokes about it. Not in a, like in a mean way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that actually harkens to that scene in particular, which really hits home. And this was before the talk with the psychologist. There's a point where the mother pops in and talks to him basically about everything that's happened and where he currently stands in regards to the family. And if you really reflect on it, it's kind of a rough scene when you think about it from the perspective of the kid because his mother's basically saying, you're on your own, kid. We tried our best. Fuck it. You Mm -hmm. place yourself in this situation. And yes, you have to recognize to a degree that even though, yes, he is a teenager and he's a kid, he still made choices that led him to this point, mm-hmm. regardless of circumstances. And as he's looking at his mother, hearing everything that she's saying, he's the way that, as you mentioned, like the camera pans up and shows the fur hat and everything. It's almost as if you, if you were like reading his mind or in his place, it's like, yeah, I'm in this spot. I, I did this to myself, but are you any better? Like, yeah. like look at what you've done. Also, like, I just, like look at what you're doing yeah. type of deal. So, also, hearkening back to Remy being a real one, he tried to, he rode his rode bike his all bike. the way. I was literally about Dude! to bring this up. He rode his Me bike and you were just on the same wavelength. Yeah. He rode his bike all the way to this, like, youth camp in the middle of nowhere. To try and, like, get in. Paris, and, and then try to get in to see his friend. And he and, couldn't. And he couldn't, but it, the mom got in. And yeah. then Remy just rides his bike all the way back home. It's Dude, so Remy is, like, the real one. Dude. He's like on that tier of like Sam on like Lord of the Rings. Like this is like yeah, the type of person yeah. life type of deal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, every every homie should everyone should try and be like Remy. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Friends. But right, also yeah. he also played a little part in Antoine. Yeah, a little bit. Rebelling a little bit. Like he definitely. <laughs> they, they. I mean, they encourage each other. Yeah, they he do. definitely encouraged him. Antoine encouraged. They're both bad yeah. influences on each other. For yeah. Sure. Right. But, but the, he was a good friend, though, so yeah. you know. 
And I keep saying, he like... He treated it, him better than his parents treated him. True. And that's <laughs> the thing. Like, I keep saying the fact that, yes, they're kids and all that stuff. And it, in a way, for some, it gives them some leeway. And to others, it's like, no, it shouldn't matter because they're still making choices that has consequences. And I think that's one of the things that this film kind of brings up in terms of, like, something to contemplate is at what point could things have changed? At what point could have an adult, whether it was a parent or teacher, introduce something different if they thought things a little bit further, but also consider the times in which this film was made mm-hmm. that does have an impact on how people perceive things and how they, you know, operate and how they treat the kids and things like that. I mean, even from a contemporary standpoint, the same, we try to have greater level of consideration because especially nowadays, and it could be as a result of circumstance like this from back in the day, we have such great emphasis on trying to be more sensitive and trying to be more considerate about why people operate the way they do because of circumstance like this so fair enough but uh, it is such a tricky thing because if you don't handle it correctly things can easily derail yeah and it's it's just a hard thing to tackle yeah i i think i think if any of that made sense (laughs) yeah no i think i think this movie in general is kind of like trying to tackle the big big questions with what it's like to be that age Mm -hmm. and being a youth. A troubled youth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Being a troubled youth. But again, like kind of what I said in the beginning, I think it's true is that you don't have to have grown up in like the 50s or in Paris or anything for quite a few moments of this to ring true to anybody. It's highly relatable. Yeah, a lot of it is, is relatable. And I think that's true if you're a boy or a girl. Or a girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, that I want to ask too, because we've noted earlier how this film has been highly regarded by some of the most well-established filmmakers of our time and mm-hmm. has, has earned so many rewards. Do you think, because a lot of the things we've discussed and a lot of the thematic elements that are, we've explored from what we've captured from this film is the reason why it's so heralded or is it other elements like the technical elements or the, is this the first film of its type to, sh- to explore these type of themes? Like, what is it about it that made it so revolutionary I think or it's, so like pr- prominent? In I think it's a lot of the minds? technical stuff. I think it's also how it approaches the story, like how the story is told. Mm-hmm. I think it's also having a really talented child, child actor. actor. Mm-hmm. Like, it's damn impressive. Um, like, it's, it's not just, like it's also, cheesy acting. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. Like it's good a, acting. Yeah, it's also, you know, during the French New Wave cinema, mm. and I think this is kind of like, the this is, this is the movie that people point to as like the best, you know, example of that. Mm. Um, and I, I think it's just a lot of different things that people come back and look at this movie in that way. And I think it's really good. I, I maybe this is like a, a spoiler. I I don't know. For me, it was like the best movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. That being said, I I can totally see how for this this movie made in the fifties, mm-hmm. it is like a really damn good movie, and yeah. how a lot of a lot of big time directors especially if you go to film school and mm-hmm. you're watching you know this the, these new wave french cinema movies and you watch this and it's made in the 50s and it still feels timeless and it still feel you know it's like shot so well and it's shot better than movies you see in the cin- like in the cinema today <laughs> like how yeah. that could be something that like really sticks with you mm-hmm. you know and especially if you're you're learning about you know french new wave and you're learning about movies and you're interested in that stuff i think that that only makes this movie even more special. And I mean, even sitting mm-hmm. here at the table talking to both of you has made me like appreciate it a little bit more. Oh, same here. You know, yeah. like it, it's, it has a lot to offer. It has a lot that I think you could sit and 
analyze and re- you know review it like we're doing right now. But mm-hmm. you can sit there and pick it apart and and learn about it. And I know there's a lot to learn about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that way, I, I get it. Yeah. You know? um, no, I can see that, especially if like say. As we mentioned, Steven Spielberg like referenced as this film being one of the ones that really influenced him. I can see a like, lot of like Stanley Kubrick. Oh yeah, yeah. Like if you're like a filmmaker from like say you're a student from like the late fifties, main like sixties, early seventies, watching films prior to yourselves and trying to get that inspiration, and this would definitely be one of the ones that would stand out. And yeah, no, it definitely makes a lot of sense of how when you watch a film like this, how it's shot and how the storytelling of the film is captured and, and the writing executed. oh yeah mm-hmm. the writing too you're just like writing is holy brilliant. shit this is good shit because this is really a character exploration yeah i think my only like gripe with the movie is that once he does go to literal jail actually <laughs> <laughs> um it feels very rushed like the whole jail and, oh it's in like the, the pacing the just picks up like that yeah it just like a lot of the movie most of the movie is like before he goes to jail and yeah. it's like just nothing like crazy big happening, but just like giving you pieces of like his life. Yeah. But, and then Easily. he goes to jail and then it just like, I feel like escalates really quickly from that. And then mm. you don't, but you also like don't really see a whole lot of that time in his life. Like you don't see him in the military youth Academy or whatever it is. Right. Very, like you don't see a lot of that. Well, maybe it's because once he's in that environment, it's very orderly and it's very yeah. There's not much to tell there. I don't think exactly. There's not a lot of space for him to really express himself because of that environment. So that's why yeah. But it would have been interesting to kind of see like how he handled that that and like because I mean he ends up running away. Yeah. So it's like maybe that's the biggest expression of it like that's how he's handling it he runs away in a really funny way too he like they're playing soccer and he goes to throw the throw the ball back in yeah because he got kicked out of bounds he goes to throw it back and he throws it and he just turns around and books it dude that was the funniest shit underneath the fence and it just yeah we were all like oh (laughs) no (laughs) oh my god that was awesome yeah it was pretty good (laughs) yeah i i can agree with that i think um I see why it is that way because I don't know that there's much to glean from that time of his life because it is like he's quite literally like in a Yeah, but like prison. how does he feel about mm-hmm. it? Is he like sorry? Is he like happy that he's well, in I think the that's spot? what that like, like interview with the psychiatrist and conversation reveals. with his mom is supposed to kind of reveal and show. But it doesn't really talk about like and, him being in there that And you much. can tell but you can also tell that it hasn't changed him much because there's a scene where they they march back inside to eat their food, and obviously this is something that they do every single day. And mm-hmm. he eats his bread before he's supposed to, mm-hmm. and then they like make make him sit and stand in the corner, and yeah. eat, which is like kind of an indication that this Ooh. isn't really working on him. He's still. I yeah. just had another interesting thought. One of the main reasons why I'm thinking like, why would a teenager like him rebel in the first place? And as we'd explore the multiple reasons. Maybe another key reason for it is that it gives a person a sense of agency. Because if you're surrounded in an environment where you're constantly being bombarded or guardrailed by orders and expectations and rules from both parents and teachers and society and all that jazz, any opportunity you have in order to exercise your own choices, whether it's disobeying the orders or playing hooky or exercising a sense of you regaining control, Especially as a kid, you kind of want to take because you just feel like, oh, I can actually do my own thing and actually express what I want to do. 
And maybe that's another element for him that is expressed throughout the film. And that's, again, and I, why he's so... And I really think this. I really think that it's just him kind of throwing his hands up in the air towards society in general because like, Fuck he it, just can't get ahead. Yeah. The movie literally starts with like a porno magazine being passed around <laughs> in the class and it gets handed to him from behind, like over his shoulder so he doesn't even see it and he grabs it and as soon as he grabs it, the teacher sees it. He's like, or And he gets in trouble for it. Do you guys it. remember, I just got, I have to just rewind really quick to yeah. us sitting down watching this movie. Mm. Do you remember when it was handed to him and I was like, I literally before we even knew that he was the main character, I was like, that kid looks like a trouble. Oh yeah, because of the turtleneck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, the turtleneck and I was like in his space. I was like, that kid looks like a troublemaker. I didn't even know he was the main character. Damn. Profile him before the movie even starts. God damn. And well, it's, it's great. That's great. Yeah, I love that. But it's, I mean, that's like the opening of the movie is him getting in trouble for something that he didn't do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so he gets in trouble. He gets put behind. But he has this like little smug look on his face and he just, he looked like a little and troublemaker. He's, but in, in this classroom full of, of troublemakers, basically. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He is the one that keeps getting kind of singled out. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's just kind of how the movie, this, the whole time he's just getting kind of singled out. And then he builds on it once he's... Uh, Eventually, he just, yeah, throws his hands up in the air and is like, mm. screw it. Oh, it's almost like if you keep treating me like a criminal, I will might as well become one type yeah. of deal. Yeah. 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 You know, and I mean, even, I mean, the, the whole time also, like, he's doing all these bad things with Remy mm-hmm. and Remy doesn't get in trouble because he knows how to give himself out. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and also, yeah. like, yeah, just he just he is doing all these things with other kids, and for some reason, there's the only repercussion that at least we ever see is on him mm-hmm. for all these different things. And one of the things that's also revealed when it comes down to Remy and a bit of his background is they that a hundred cats. Oh, oh dude, God, they do. Yeah, literally. and it seems like they're of a better means compared to Antoine. Oh, yeah. oh no, it doesn't the, seem like, they do. They have yeah, a they, big house, big house, and With a stuffed horse. Stuffed horse that's a million dollars. But it seems that his yeah. familial situation is no better because it seems like his mother goes off and just does her own thing. And the dad even mentions at dinner when he's talking to him, he's like, "And it seems like your mom doesn't have a presence anytime I'm here." So yeah. even well, he then the dad also kind of like leaves during dinner to go. I don't know. I don't remember what he said. Oh, yeah. It was like the Lions Club thing or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Something like like that. Men's Club or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so kind of, I mean, it it does kind of seem like he's on his own a lot of the time. Right. And it begs the question how often that was perpetuated during that time. And I was actually, we, I made this comment as we were watching the film was that when you consider the historical context of this era, you know, this being like late 50s going into 60s, this is post industrial era post-World War era, and this is a time where both mothers and fathers are working. So this was, uh, I believe, Oliver, you mentioned this. Yeah, like like latchkey kids. Latchkey kids. Where it's like the concept that because both parents are working, the kids are more, more often left on their own devices, and this creates an opportunity for things to happen, oftentimes delinquency. So when you consider, like, say, the pre industrial era where it was much more, you know, a lot of the work was either done at home because they were often times tending to known trade or farms, whatever the case may be. It the kids were oftentimes involved with the familiar work. But since the industrial age and also post-war age, there's a lot more emphasis on the fam- the parents both working and the kids being basically almost babysit by the public school system and yeah. then taking care of themselves once they get home. They're on their own. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So as a result, she sends yeah, she sends them to the store to go get flour. At one point, 
Mm-hmm. What's that? She sends them to the store to go buy flowers. Oh, yeah. And that's like part of the things they need to do. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, Take it's garbage. And that's actually one of the set first instances. Table. That's why I yeah. thought she wanted him to go to school and be rich and take care of her. <laughs> well, I'll, well, I didn't quite, <laughs> I didn't quite get that vibe. I mean, she sucks. But, but it's I didn't funny. I did. <laughs> I did make a comment. I was like, well, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I was like, is this why people have so many kids just to like do all their chores for them? And I was like, yes, that's actually yeah. why. <laughs> I was kind I'd of love idea. to have some people to just boss around and make them do all my chores for me. And look how that turned out for them. You got sent to jail. Jail, right? Well, well I, also, I would be a better mother than that. <laughs> I would just well, make them do chores. Well, that was actually one of the earlier scenes in the film, and that actually showcased the dynamic difference between Antoine and his mother and father. So the mother pops home from work, and you get the sense that she's tired from work and all that jazz. And she's like, hey, did you get the flower? And he's like, no. And he's like, fuck's sake. God, well, she doesn't have that reaction, but you kind of have that internal mm-hmm. sense. Like, that's what she feels. Mm-hmm. He's like, go and get the flower and just get it done. I mean, and then when he comes home, he's coming home with his dad. And the dad's goofing around, popping flower on his nose, like, having fun. And that's where you sh- showcase a bit of a difference. Mm-hmm. With his dad, he's much more, you know, easygoing to a degree. Or he feels a bit more like he can actually have a bit of fun with his dad versus mom's a bit more, you know, harder on him. Mm-hmm. At, at least that's what the initial introduction of the way it's also are. pretty fun yeah it's also there's oh yeah it's coming up there's some really funny there's some really funny moments too because mm-hmm. one she asked for the change back and she's like he's like well i need change for for like school lunch yes and yeah. she's like she's like i don't care give it back to me so he gives it back and she says like ask your father for money yeah yeah and so the father's like how much money do you need and he's like i need a thousand he's like okay so if you're asking for a thousand that means you probably actually only need 500 which means 300 no he's like five. if you're asking for a thousand that means you're hoping for 500 which, which means, means you, you only need 300 so here's a hundred yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i love yeah, that. that that was, that was like such a, a great beautiful like setup. For five, a thousand yeah exactly that's actually one of my favorite lines i it love that it's really so really much. good because it's so true yeah, yeah. It's so i true. just like memorized the line because i was like this is so great it's so good that means you're hoping for 500 which means you only need 30 Three hundred, so yeah. here's a hundred. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was so, so great. great. Pretty good, but I yeah, I just yeah. I think it's funny that we, you know, the three of us in 2023, mm-hmm. in completely different backgrounds in life, we could sit down and watch this movie made in the 50s about a kid growing up, yeah. his coming of age story, and like laugh and enjoy it. I think it's just mm-hmm. it, pretty cool. It, it does it, showcase the timelessness of it. Yeah, I, that that is yeah, still something that happens that. today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for sure, and I think it really does showcase there is a certain element of growing up, especially from that age of being a teenager and transitioning into adulthood, where you reach that point of wanting to carve something out for yourself because when you're at that age, like, all right, I've done enough of this, like, being a kid shit. I need to mm-hmm. try to do my own thing type of deal. And for some kids, it definitely can be a case where, because of external factors, it motivates them to go out and own even further. And they just say, fuck it, I, I would have a better chance of facing the world versus staying where i'm at now yeah because it feels so stifling that's what i was saying like that time is like that age is such a pivotal point in your life and Mm -hmm. it's not just for young boys but young girls and i feel like Mm -hmm. everybody no matter who you are kind of has some type of like all right what am i gonna do yeah yeah goes through that experience it's also a pretty good example too of like you never really know what someone else is going through too yeah i mean oh true there's a pretty cool moment i don't know if you guys saw it where I don't know if it's a cool moment, but it adds perspective mm-hmm. where, you know, Remy, again, being the homie, is letting <laughs> Antoine stay with him at his house in secret. His massive house that apparently his friend or his family just never goes in this room. Yeah. <clears throat> but anyways, and he's like, um, 
he's like taking some pillows and stuff off of this like kind of futon thing. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Like you have to sleep. Like, sorry, you have to sleep here. And it, it's the, the futon is like the exact same size as Antoine's like actual bed Bed. at his house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a, a, an interesting parallel in that like, this is the, the thing that Remy thinks is like, oh, really not nice. And he's like really sorry that he has to sleep on it. But Mm -hmm. this is what, Antoine sleeps on every day. That's mm-hmm. actually a really damn good point because I can attest, uh, hell, even my own experience and of other circumstances I can reference from like what I've seen in media and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is a pretty common occurrence where if, depending on the differences of backgrounds that you may have between individuals, like for one person they think, oh, I'm sorry to inconvenience you by doing X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And the other person's like, this is tame. Actually, this is great. I don't yeah. know what the fuck you're talking right. about. This is fantastic. So it's interesting. Yeah, as you, that's a good uh, mention of the differences of uh, experiences. Yeah, and he gets like little like snacks and leftovers from the from Remy's dinner. Yeah, and even that is like better than the dinners that he's been eating at his Dude, house and yeah. stuff. So can, can I just comment on how like the first thing you see them like eat for dinner was just like pure soup and it didn't have anything in it. Yeah, like, it's like, like, like no. it's funny because I said something about fish, <laughs> and then yeah. It's just like this broth. We don't see necessarily what meat was in it, but yeah. it just like a look like a clear broth. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, what? Some miso it? soup. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. God damn. That's like, the same scene where they're like the dad and and Antoine are sitting at the table and they're like having a good time and joking, and he's like, God, it smells like horrible. Dinner smells horrible. And he's like. Hey, Antoine, when your mom comes back, ask her if a dish towel is burning. Yeah, and he's like, bro, why are you pulling he's like, yeah, yeah, he's trying like, to get Antoine yeah, to get trouble. Trouble. <laughs> She's already pissed off. And yeah, like, exactly. I'm like, oh, shit. She's trying to be funny. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. See, I, this, that, uh, just one more thing to note. It's like, I think this film definitely has those lighthearted elements, especially in early on in the first, like, third, if not the first half. But as it progresses further and further, you really start to see more of the the depth and weight of the circumstance, at least what the kid's mm-hmm. going through. And then at the end, you really start to get a full sense of, oh, that's why. I, I oh, do shit. appreciate how it does it too, because like the moment with the therapist, we brought it up a couple of times, but it's mm-hmm. like a very important part of the movie. It is. It is but, by far but one of the most But when it's scenes. happening, it doesn't like necessarily feel like that it's not like dun 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 this is the big moment like this is the big reveal it's just kind of like a casual conversation but you're like finding out a lot Mm -hmm. but it's not in like a in your face type of way and i just realized something really important that i think is something that stands out when it comes down to older films versus more contemporary films and I think what you just mentioned is a really good point, how you don't exactly feel that difference where it's like dun dun dun, but mm-hmm. it's when you reflect on it, you recognize its importance. And here's what I'm what I'm recognizing here. With older films, there's a greater sense of consistency in the tonality of how things are shot, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Across the board, especially with this film as an example. Yes, there might be differences in terms of like say Dutch angles. Well, not Dutch angles, sorry. I'm thinking about other video There's essays. No Dutch angles in this. Sorry, my bad. I, I was watching video essays previously and like for whatever reasons like like a newer construct. Right, right, right. My bad. But when you consider like even in the fifties there are like dolly tracks and stuff of yeah. that nature where you have the foundations of a lot of the cinematography that's constantly being used today, there's still a consistency of how things are shot. 
Mm-hmm. But when you compare it to how things are shot now, there's such variety. Mm-hmm. Like wide scale shots, close ups, uh, different cinematic elements right. that can add to it that actually create a sense of emotion and tone as you're watching the shot. But it's very subconscious unless you really pay attention. So, so the main thing I'm trying to say here is that you really have to pay attention to what's happening on the film when it comes down to older. It doesn't films necessarily to see like the spoon feed it to you technically. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I, nowadays it's so much more like... It's like, I yes, it might have been like that moment when he's talking to the therapist. Yes, it might be like dumping a lot of information on mm. you, but it doesn't feel that way. Yeah. I think that's intentional though. No, I know, but that, I like, that's what I appreciate yeah, about it I, is it's like the whole movie is just kind of like these little things happening and then this moment with the therapist, you learn so much, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel any different than the way the rest of the movie is like shot and acted so out. So I think I think for me what I've come to realize most in like a lot of older movies share in common and this one is is part of that as well mm-hmm. is that it seems like older movies are are they do not have the same breakneck editing and pacing that <laughs> new movies <laughs> new movies do. <laughs> And I'm not even saying I'm not even saying like I'm I'm not even saying like crazy. It just made me think of a Fast and Furious. Yeah, I'm not. Well, we don't need to bring up Fast and Furious again. That's like every. I was trying to go the whole episode without bringing Fast and Furious, but I'm not even. Love it. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just more so saying like you don't. I don't think you. At least I'll speak for myself. Yeah. I don't even think I realize fully how often and like how quickly things kind of come to fruition and cycle through in movies nowadays, even as far as editing and shot. Like I'm, I'm positive that you could take the average shot length in a movie nowadays can compare it to a movie in the fifties and the movie in the fifties would have like three times longer. Oh fuck. Yeah. And a lot of that is like, I think modern, I don't think, I know that modern day attention spans are shot. Basically (laughs) we all have like goldfish size (laughs) memories and attention spans. Shannon has the worst of all. She's like already, Already thinking about what to do next, but damn no. Yes, but <laughs> I think this movie is—it's a really good example of that. Is like there mm. are long shots, there are long takes. Things will linger. You maybe expect like in a newer movie there would be like that psychiatrist thing. It would maybe cut a couple times or zoom or, or it'd have like more some like dramatic soundtrack to keep, to keep you in tuned or to like Engaged. tell you tell yeah. you how to feel or to tell you what's like happening or that this is important. It could be as it could be a Dutch angle. It could be you know what I mean. It could be all these different things. But in these older movies, it's like fairly simple camera work, mm-hmm. and and I don't even mean that it's not technically marvelous, but just like. Sometimes they're simple not, is great as long as there's not like well. crash zooms yeah. and like you know insane crane shots and stuff. Like it's like oh, yeah, <laughs> and that comes down to the score dun, too. Dun, but dun, a lot dun. of it's just like it just. I think the average viewer back then didn't need to be constantly engaged in the same way that you you know viewers in today's movies need. You to. know what and I that, oh. and I'm not again. I'm not trying to say there aren't slower movies, but your average movie nowadays is just is faster feeling than this is you you know what i think it is because this actually might harken to the idea i introduced earlier that it felt more like a documentary versus like a film i think back then they really just wanted to capture the essence of your person witnessing this individual's life yeah Mm -hmm. like you're there but you're like a third party witnessing this versus now as films evolved and people have learned 
oh, if you do this shot, it gives this sense of awe or wonder or drama. Oh, if you add this song in the background, it gives it adds a certain emotion to it. Yeah. Now there's so many tricks in elements that you can introduce the audience to create this subconscious feeling that you can almost manipulate the audience to feel a certain way that can circumvent writing. And that has often been one of the main critiques when it comes down to modern cinema these days is that there's a lot of things that are done from a post-production and a filmmaking standpoint that oversees the foundation of writing and storytelling that it almost makes you feel as if that they're relying on that versus the actual quality of the story versus yeah. when you look at an old film all you have is a story. Yeah, I think I've mentioned before, and again, this isn't to say that it's not in old films as well, but I think I've mentioned mm. this before, but nothing drives me more nuts. Actually, that's not true. There's tons of things <laughs> that drive, drive me nuts in movies nowadays, but mm. nothing really drives me nuts more frequently than when a movie relies on, like, you know, an emotional swell in the score mm. or relies on like somebody to just exposition dump on how to feel or gives a big speech to like rouse the audience. Like that stuff drives me nuts. Cause I feel like I'm being pandering to pander right. to by the movie versus with older films. You actually have a, ch- it, they have a chance to and breathe. It happens in older films too, but it's maybe not as on the nose as it is in more modern movies. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just appreciate like, like you said, the psychiatrist scene. I don't think you would, with modern sensibilities, you would know that that is kind of the climax of the mm-hmm. movie because of how it's shot and how, you know, right. how, that's, that's why shit. I like it so much. Yeah. I just had a moment where, okay, so we've referenced After Sun a little bit yeah. in, in this podcast and just something that came into mind, I think both this film and After Sun have a similarity in terms of pacing and the way that they allow the story to yeah, breathe They're very different, own. yeah. They're very different, yes, but they definitely have a similar way of you're learning a lot from the contextual elements of the film. Mm-hmm. And one thing that made me think is like, if you um, if you could imagine After Sun being made in say the 50s or 60s with the black and white setup, mm-hmm. if you consider how things are shot and everything, it could actually kind of fit because it is a film that allows a lot of space for the interactions between characters to just happen. Breathe. And, yeah, exactly, breathe. And maybe it's just me, maybe as I've... I don't want to say as I've gotten older, but I think previously over the years, when I really dove into films that explore more in-depth subject matters and stuff, mm-hmm. there are definitely the films that allow things to breathe because you have to have that so that you as an audience member can reflect more on what's being presented to you. And maybe that's why I've appreciated films even to a greater degree and why I can watch older films and still appreciate it. But I can understand if you're an audience member who is used to the more modern approach to filmmaking and you haven't dove into films, even from a contemporary standpoint, that have that adjustment of pacing where it's much more spacious and not as rapidly yeah. edited, it's going to be difficult for you to transition to older I think, films. I think that's a good segue into a question that we normally ask, which is like, do you think that this movie's for everyone? And I think that there's already a barrier to entry into this because it is a black and white foreign film with subtitles. In, well, yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, All right, in, but I'm like your prime example of in, like somebody that would ha- on paper hate this movie. On paper. Yeah, exactly, on paper. In the Yeah. yeah. And and what I'm saying is what I was going to basically say is I think there's already a bit of a hurdle. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's I don't for example, you are that person, right? And to that degree, you would never have watched this movie if it wasn't for the podcast. But yet you it seems as if like there was a lot you were able to take away from the film. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, exactly. So that being said, I think it's a, it's harder to recommend to people because of that. 
but I think I do think it's. A I don't good know movie. if it's hard to recommend to people, but I could mm. see people like tuning off. Yeah, being like, yeah, I'll watch it, and like not actually watch it. I mean, it took us a while to check it out too, and it was actually recommended. Yeah, because a long time it's ago. those mm-hmm. things. It's an old black and white yeah. <laughs> subtitled movie, which is like, as everyone knows, not my thing. But almost immediately, it's like you don't even really. Know recognize that. it after yeah. So that actually presents an interesting question, and this might be slightly meta outside of the context of this discussion, but this actually, I'm curious about this. So, Shannon, as a result of a lot of the films that we've had a chance to watch since we started this podcast, especially the older films, do you, from your perspective, have a better appreciation or better, I would say, understanding of why older films or even films that have like a bit of a slower pace, even from a contemporary standpoint, are appreciated? Or do you have a better appreciation for those type of films? For sure. I mean, I think that, yeah, I think that I, I maybe I shouldn't say always. (laughs) I will say that this podcast has like forced me to kind of like look and look at a movie and see why it's so popular or why so many people like reference it Mm -hmm. or whatever it may be. Um, I think this is the first older movie we've watched that is slower paced that I have enjoyed. That you have enjoyed? Mm -hmm. Wait, what about 12 Angry Men? Yeah, 12 Angry Men was... So we actually never released that episode. We never had to release 12 Angry Men. Because it got messed up, which is a bummer. I would do that episode again. (laughs) We'll do that again. We'll do it again. Yeah, fuck yeah. And I guess like... I mean, is 12 Angry Men, like, a slower paced movie? It is. Dude, that entire film was, like, shot, like, almost. I know it's, like, all dialogue in in a room, but it just feels like so much is happening. True, because a lot of it's just dialogue, 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 like, nonstop. So I guess that might be it. I love that movie. That movie's cool. Anyways. I mean, this this movie (laughs) does feel, like, pretty slow paced. Because it's a lot of, like, just, like, observation. Mm hmm. So it's interesting. Because, like, I mean, Citizen Kane was another one that, like, was pretty slow-paced, and I didn't enjoy that. Yeah, I can understand why. And you enjoyed this S- Seven one Seven Samurai was, was an older movie. That was three hours but long. It was three hours long. It was, it was actually hours. over three hours long. <laughs> but there is also, like, a lot of action in it, so it yeah. doesn't, like... And it kind of has a purpose behind every Yeah, moment, it, it so. doesn't feel as long. I don't long. think you like Seven Samurai, though. Yeah, but... So yeah. that actually begs the question, do you, th- so it seems that with this film in particular, there's a lot more that you can appreciate from this film because it's not taking too much time, even though, even, even with the fact that it is a bit more of an observational film, it's like taking its paces, it's not as cliched or as tropey as a Citizen Kane. Yeah. It's not taking a thousand years as Seven Seven White, even though that's Well, it's like film. very relatable. And, okay, I mean, so, that's yeah. like a huge part. It's like... A lot. Most coming of age movies are pretty slow paced. Yeah, <laughs> Boy, but a lot of them. I guess point. maybe not a lot of them, but like, if they're relatable, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel that way. Like it's like because you're it, invested. Yeah, and it's mm. like you can. Did you re- say most coming of age movies? Yeah. Okay. Mm. Do you disagree? No. Oh, okay. I'm. I was just making sure I understood the question. Yeah, I'm just yeah, saying yeah. like most coming of age movies are yeah. pretty slow paced because it's like. There's not really a whole lot happening. It's not like a crazy plot. It's just kind of like following somebody's life and, mm-hmm. and I think we've, kind of what... I think we've watched, just really quick to your point, I think we've actually watched a, 
actually, um, I think almost all of the the coming of age movies that we've watched for this podcast have kind of ducked normal coming of age movie tropes and have been yeah and have been like kind of not big on huge moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boyhood, Boyhood like dodges every single big oh moment. Oh my god, mm-hmm. that'd be so good. After Sun is a bunch of quiet moments mm-hmm. that have like no real huge. How we just payoff. like? Is like it, I think it's been unintentional. Was just like the typical, like not typical. I should say atypical. Example, atypical, yeah, yeah, like examples of like how you should do a coming of age movie. Yeah, maybe I guess, that's. I guess so. <clears throat> but like, I think that's one of the reasons that this movie is so good. Is it is so relatable? And I'm not a. Mm. Te- I was never a teenage boy, so like, the fact that I could still relate to this movie is pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, speaks to the autistic value like, that it has. Mm-hmm. Do you feel in a we, in a weird way we so we unintentionally I think we already brought this up but yeah these are we've watched two coming of age movies back to back one from twenty twenty two yeah and one from nineteen fifty nine mm-hmm. different but similar in a lot of ways. Do you feel like you connect more to four hundred blows, Shannon, or After Sun? Probably mm. four hundred blows. Really? Whoa! Really, Hold up! Really. Wait a minute! Interesting. Damn. Okay. That's curious. After Sun is about a little Which girl. Which is and, wild yeah. because, yeah, I mean, After Sun's about a little girl. And it's like, again, I just, I'm not an old movie person. I, like, would way rather watch a newer movie. And so, like, on paper, After Sun would 100% be, like, the movie that I would like more. But but do you think because of the spoiler thematic Spoiler alert, I think I liked 400 Blows a little bit more. Do you think it's because of the thematic elements that's explored in 400 Blows versus After Sun's a bit more specific? Like the thematic elements with like yeah, <clears throat> 400 Blows maybe. is a bit more universal. I also kind of like, again, going back to it being relatable, like not to kind of get too personal, but mm. I have a very interesting family and I <laughs> have siblings that have gone down one path and mm-hmm. others that have gone down another path and then... Mm. Me being the angel I am, I've gone down the good path. <laughs> oh, fuck right off. <laughs> Damn. But it's just Call like, <laughs> I can see like all the little things that lead up to like that. I mean, and I remember being that age and like yeah. it being a huge moment in my life and like a, all these different like things, paths I needed to take. Mm-hmm. And I think that I came out okay. Right. Although right. the cards that I was dealt but I know that there's other people in my family that maybe we didn't. Right, and so it's right. like a very interesting thing because it's like, it is interesting to see how people handle things. Very much so. And that introduces a really interesting point. And it's, it's like he ends up being a delinquent kid or whatever, like a troubled kid. But he's not a but bad he also, person. But he's not a bad person. Yeah. Which yeah. is like, that's also an interesting there, thing about this movie. It's like, he, he means well. Yeah. He just, he wants, I think he just wants to be noticed. And I think he wants to be free from like, he doesn't maybe want to like deal with the bullshit. guilt or the yeah. bullshit that his <clears throat> parents put on him. I don't know, but it, I just, it's a pretty special movie. Yeah. Interesting because when we stopped watching it last night, you were actually the one that said you didn't want to talk about it because you wanted to think about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shannon. And so I actually felt like you didn't enjoy it that much when we no that wasn't it at all i think i just needed to like digest it digest it again it's like a slow movie and also going back to the beginning i was like expecting a trauma crime <laughs> so kids going to mafia and all it was shit. like a little 
a bit of a shock <laughs> when it wasn't a drama crime. And I was like, oh, okay, that's what this movie is about. Right, and I yeah. needed like, I just needed to kind of digest it. Mm. Okay. Yeah. No, it's, I think as we've discussed this film further and further, it really helped highlight more of the, I would say, I'm trying to like imagine this in a certain way and trying to describe it. When you watch a film from the surface, like when you watch a film, you get the surface elements that you are experiencing. You get to see like what is displayed in front of you. And then it's when you start trying to unfold what was revealed to you at first and trying to understand what you saw and what's trying to be explored. And then when you get a chance to discuss it, like we do in this podcast, you see the alternative perspectives. Mm -hmm. You see what the details other people picked up and everything. And you really start to unfold further what the film is trying to reveal from the audience's, I would say, experience. And I, mm-hmm. this film does a pretty damn good job of mm-hmm. that because this discussion is like evidence of that. Yeah, well, and I think, to me, that that's why we started this podcast. Oh, fuck yeah. I mean, besides, a, besides you know, an excuse to hang out and oh, drink, yeah. <laughs> it was really... I mean, it was really to drink. Yeah, it's <laughs> it was really an excuse to sit down and talk about movies. And yeah. it's like it for everyone listening. It's it's you know a reoccurring thing. But for uh, for us, it's almost like our movie club where we yeah. can like sit and watch a movie mm-hmm. and, and then it. break it down. And this this podcast has made me appreciate movies I didn't before. Yes. It's also made me realize things about movies that I didn't realize before. We've had some really awesome discussions, and oh, it's interesting yeah. because we sat down for this movie. And Shannon, right off the bat, was like, I don't think we're going to have much to say. Like, I don't think I have much to say about this movie. But right now, we're over an hour long. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, and we pretty consistently hit that, which is just a testament to like good or bad filmmaking is pretty crazy that it can bring those conversations to the table. And if it's a, a good movie like also, this. Also, I think you have to kind of talk about movies with oh, people because oh, like, yeah. not like all movies, s- maybe not all movies, dictate a conversation, but... I don't think, but. <laughs> oh, come on. Cocaine Bear definitely dictated a conversation. (laughs) I need to go back and listen to that episode because I don't think we really had anything to say. We tried so hard (laughs) to find something about that fucking... Oh, Oh, the Meg 2 is coming up. Oh, I know. Get ready, guys. Oh, don't forget. We're going to try to do the Shark Nation trilogy. I'm kidding. Well, actually... mm, I think so. But... It is important to talk about, like, certain movies, I guess, with people. Because, like, again, like you said, I didn't feel like I was going to have, like, a whole lot to say. And not in a bad way. But once you kind of get talking about it, then you, like, it's almost like an onion. You peel back some layers. Yeah, it very much is, yeah. Nice Shrek reference right there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think what this podcast has offered, at least from my perspective, is an opportunity to really dive into the films that has defined the medium and has been the template that a lot of filmmakers to this day have utilized. Yeah, that's pretty interesting to me too because I'm not, I'm not like big into, not that I'm not big into history and like filmmaking and stuff like that, but like I don't tend to try to learn about that. Mm. But it is interesting having like Oliver and Taylor bring up these movies that are, big in history for filmmakers and like kind of trying to see why that is mm-hmm. still don't understand why sin sin kane is but you know technicality <laughs> just kidding there's a look at all like, mm. I, I think, yeah <laughs> i think we all had that, that shared experience we were like 
we can see it if we take an hour and a half to I talk think, about yeah, it. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think that with when you watch movies like Foreign Blows, which by the way was my recommendation. Yes. We're on a rotation of recommendations. Each of us gets to pick a movie a different mm-hmm. week. This is my pick. Mm-hmm. And it's been in my reservoir for a long time of wanting to watch and talk about. Reservoir. But I think when you've watched a movie like this and you understand how impactful it was, even if you didn't like it, and I think everyone here did, we'll get to review soon, rating soon. <laughs> it's gonna be um, I'm kidding. <laughs> I I think I think after you've watched it, you're like better for it with every movie you watch afterwards. You can kind of like think back on this movie as what it's done and maybe how it's influenced other movies now down mm-hmm. the road. Oh, very much so. That was definitely the case when, as an example, watching Seven Samurai and how... Citizen Kane is the same way. I oh, mean, for Citizen sure. Citizen Kane, it is clear to see... Seven Samurai is another one, but it's like... <laughs> it's, it's clear to see how that is like the great-great-granddaddy of a lot of other movies. Ensemble movies, yeah. yeah. And then Citizen Kane with the, the way film like the, the way of like shot the, the, the way, way the story is told non-chronologically exactly and, yeah. everything it's it is a lot of things you can appreciate from older films because they set the template that a lot of modern films are utilizing to build things mm-hmm. off of and it makes me want to continue to further my cinematic understanding and library when it comes down to you know watching older films and ones that everyone says like it is the best shit ever because i want to understand why do you call it the best shit ever right. yeah yeah mm-hmm. Do you, do you get why this movie is called, like, the best shit ever? Well, if this was, like, the one thing I guess well, I'm trying to make sure that I understand when it comes to this film is, was <laughs> this the example, bless you, example? I tried so hard to keep that in. <laughs> I tried so hard. I really tried. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, was this film the template that a lot of coming-of-age films are built off of? Or was I don't know this, if it's like, a template what? so much as this is, like, a a lot of directors movie that they watched that inspired them and well, you know, they love. Well, it's pretty crazy because it. I could totally see like a coming of age movie being built, From this? built <laughs> being made today. And it, being like exactly like this. Oh movie. yeah, like, I can see like I'm already imagining like how you can reference certain shots. Like or... the fact that this was made almost seventy years ago is insane. Is insane because well, I could totally see this being made. Like I guess what I'm trying to say is I could see this movie, same movie, being made in t- today mm-hmm. and it being popular. Right for well, people that enjoy coming. So of age I movies. guess for me, I'm trying to figure out <clears throat> what is that X factor about the film. Like Citizen Kane, we understand technicality and storytelling. Seven Seven Y, the ensemble movie, and how that's portrayed. For 12 Iron Command, the value of dialogue and how you can literally build a movie through that. Hell, that's mm-hmm. Quentin Tarantino's like shtick. That was what, um, what was that movie where it was like, um, it was the one in like the Wild West and it the, was uh, Hateful Eight or yes, something like that? Hateful yeah, there we go. Yep. That's basically <clears throat> his version of 12 Iron Command if you really think about it. Yeah. What is the X factor about this film I think that the, makes it like so I think, time, like quintessential? I think the way that they shot it, I think the way that it's shot is big. I think that the way that the story is told is is also pretty big. And I think mm. that it's also something that was new coming out from France. Like, it was a foreign mm. film that... Was able to break the barriers. Of like, yeah, uh, again, like, it was kind of like... It does have a lot of cool camera shots, too. It does, yeah. Like, yeah. I, and I don't even think it's, like, in-your-face camera shots that are kind of cool. But, I mean, we, br- we brought up, like, the gym teacher scene. <laughs> but Still love that there's scene even a scene where they're in... Remy, is that his name? Remy, yeah. Remy's bedroom, but mm. it's kind of shot from above. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was and actually thinking like, about that, yeah. It's not like an in-your-face kind of shot, but like 
I doubt that that was like a huge thing back then. Mm. They definitely like explored with, I think at least, I don't know, but I feel like they probably explored with the camera work a little yeah, bit. Different and ways this. of like trying to set up shots. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and which story. you probably have to do when you have a movie like this, when it's mm-hmm. not like a whole lot of action or whatever going right. on. What can you add to, add to make a it a little more interesting? It, you know? yeah. I, yeah. I constantly find it surprising how, at least for myself, I won't speak for you too, mm-hmm. how I can sit down to a movie like this that really on paper doesn't have like any huge you know, action moments or like, pew, pew. yeah, like anything really crazy <laughs> on, like going on and I can sit down and I can just be like completely enthralled in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the same thing happened with After Sun where I was like, just almost immediately like sucked into it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have like any, yeah, again, like no huge, you know, payoffs or anything like that. It's just like interesting how good camera work, good storytelling, good writing, good acting can really just suck you into it. And it just really highlights the value of damn good filmmaking in terms of its execution. And it's absolutely essential in order to be able to tell any type of story. You can have the most basic-ass premise imaginable, mm-hmm. but if you execute it well, it can capture an entire audience. It can actually right. change a person's life type of deal. Right. And it's like, god damn. I wonder if, like improv lines or scripts was like a huge thing back then too or if that was I think was it definitely was like, explored maybe not as it? like a loud well, I wouldn't say loud maybe not as I would say Frequent. actually maybe it's the same way in the sense like a lot of the times and from a contemporary standpoint the scripts are kind of necessary but mm-hmm. if you have an actor or even like a writer or like director come up with like a brand new line says fuck it just go with this or allow them to explore things as they go, it works because yeah. there's plenty of success stories that showcase it yeah. can happen. But maybe back then, because it may have been explored a bit, but maybe not as heavily. Yeah, I, I wonder if idea. this movie would have been as good as it was had they not given Jean-Pierre the option. I don't think it would have been I don't know because it would have, it wouldn't felt have felt as, as fluid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a level of genuineness that this film yeah. is going to showcase because you're literally watching. Just, well, they it act- just like shows how good of an they, actor he was. Well, they too, asked him. Yeah. Like well, they asked him in interviews too, like and good direction too. They asked him in interviews like, "Does this when you watch this, does it feel like you're watching someone else?" And he said, "Like for the most part, no. It feels like I'm yeah, which myself. is pretty cool." There was he did say there was one scene in which it felt like he was watching something someone else, and maybe that was the scene in which it was the psychologist, right? No, he said that that feels like... He, he basically said that feels like watching himself. He said there's other scenes in the movie that don't feel like I'm watching myself. He didn't mm. elaborate on what scenes those were. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Okay, okay. That makes sense. Well, shall we get into ratings? Yeah. I, I kind of want to know... Wait. I kind of want to know... Wait, wait, wait. I don't want to go first. Wait, there's one more thing. Was the hype behind this film deserved? In terms uh, of... Yeah, it, I guess I, I, was, I wasn't going to ask that question because I like... I think we kind of alluded to it to a degree. Yeah, because kind of, I was of, like, yeah. was there hype? But I guess there was. It has, like I said in the very beginning, it has a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Which yeah. is fucking insane. That's wild. Like, I would say fuck? yes, the hype for this movie was deserved. Interesting. It is a quality film, so... Do you it's... not agree? Oh. Yeah, I, I think Ooh, maybe I disagree. <gasps> um, I, only because... Only Do you think 99 is too high? Only because this movie is on such an incredibly high pedestal that, like, you know, every great director is like, oh, this is the best, you know, one of the best movies ever. And it's like so many directors' favorite movies of all time. 
I think it's really good. And again, this is this is all me speaking. I'm not saying like this is everyone's should be any everyone's opinion or anything. But like mm. my personal taste, I think it's really good. But I don't know that it's like gonna it sit in that. that pet, I don't think it's gonna sit on that pedestal for me. And so when I go into hmm. it, I hear that all the greats like love this movie, and so like inspired them. I don't know that this movie is quite that. So do it you kind think... of is like it's almost like to me an impenetrable hype bubble. Where it's like mm, because no it movie could really like, no movie could really live up to that hype. You know what I mean? Right. So in that way, that yeah. So hmm. in that way, I don't know. I think it's a really good movie, but it has so much critical acclaim and so it's like on this and such high pedestal that I just again for me, I don't know that it's like all the way up there is like the best movie ever. I really ever, feel but... like you should go first with ratings. No, I don't I'm think like so. I'm like very curious now, like what you... I don't think so. I think Taylor should go first. What about you? But do you think the hype is deserved, Taylor? So that actually, <clears throat> I'm glad you actually created that uh, difference in approach here because I think there was a sense of me that was kind of surprised that it had such a high Rotten Tomatoes meeting, rate, rating, I should say. Well, and we've tackled like, this subject with Citizen fuck? Kane before where Shannon, like, Really didn't like Citizen Kane, and that's and that is. I think we all kind of shared a similar sentiment because we were like, <laughs> but that that movie's been on the like Billboard top one hundred movies of all time since it like came out, and it yeah. seems weird. The, the the trend when it comes down to these older films is that the reason they keep getting these high spots is because of how they've influenced the contemporary filmmaker. I keep saying contemporary because that's yeah, but how it influenced the filmmakers that we know. Yeah versus the quality in them themselves that they existed maybe like in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. So it's like the context is what's adding to the pedigree of the films versus them standing on their own. And it does beg the question, like, is that fair? Right. And I guess it depends on the type of listing you want to have. You want to explore how a film has influenced the art itself, then I can understand why it's in those listings. But if you want to I would say critique the film on its own merit, then you go into a whole new realm of circumstances. So I guess that begs the question, should a film be judged on how it's influenced the medium in of itself, or is it more appropriate to judge the film on its own merit, considering the fact that See, it may not have access to... I'm just going off of it to... by its own merit. I'm not even going <laughs> off of like what everyone else thinks about the movie. I think it was just a good movie. Yeah. I do too. I do too. I think it's just... For me, it's hard because when I see like you know ninety nine percent Rotten Tomatoes and I see like four point four or whatever on Letterboxd and oh my God. and like <laughs> you know, the list of directors that say this is like one of the you know one of their favorite movies of all time is extensive mm. and with that like incredibly high praise again this is me personally speaking then wouldn't you just feel that way about every movie any movie that was on no because there are movies that I've watched that i adored and we've already referenced it like 12 angry men good movie. i i get that i'm like yeah yep yeah hype was, yep. Hype was, <laughs> was good 100 percent. i was like this is yep, this is you it don't, you don't feel that way about this i Ooh. i'm i'm not trying to say i didn't like it because we'll get to ratings i just think that that is it deserving it, of it such didn't, pedigree for me it didn't it just didn't quite reach those like masterpiece class levels that 99% and all the like it just for me it didn't quite reach that I so, don't I don't really know why necessarily. And, and it's fascinating just, you say that that's why I kept asking what is that x-factor what is the thing that makes it stand out compared to everything else because I'm trying to 
conceive can like conceptualize what it was. I mean, even and I, Citizen I Kane it, is a good yeah. example of that for all of us, where it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think any of us adored that movie in the way that it is. You would think people should in how it's reviewed, yeah. and, you know. And this movie, it just, I it just is sitting on this pedestal that's again in my personal tastes. So I was expecting to just come away being absolutely floored by it in a way that that I wasn't quite absolutely floored by. Again, I didn't dislike it. We'll get to ratings, but I, I just, that was unfair to the movie. It's, Hmm. it's unfair to the movie that it's like, it it gets that much praise almost Hmm. like it's it's too much praise. (laughs) Yeah. Almost. I don't agree, but that's, I mean, movies are subjective. So well then maybe you should start with ratings. I don't know if I should. I think you should. Well, I think I'd give it a four out of four point five. Out Ooh, five. Four point five. And that's interesting because based off what you just said, I would have thought a five. Ninety nine percent and all that stuff would make me think of. So the only reason I don't and... think that I give it a five is I just wish that there would have like I like I said earlier I wish there would have been a little bit more on his like experience after he went to like the military. You, yeah, you I keep saying military that, like, youth academy, and that's not what academy. it is, but that's right. like the easiest way. For me to explain, and I just wish there would have been a little bit more because that, in theory, would have been like a huge moment in his life and a huge right pivotal point. I feel like for a good chunk of films, the last third feels a bit rushed. If the yeah. first like two thirds are very slow, slow and yeah. steady, yeah, because like that, I've got to catch the shit up. See, that moment definitely felt rushed to me, and I think yeah. that's my the only reason I don't give it a five. Mm. Yeah, I I do agree with that. I agree that I think the pacing of that third act does feel a little rushed in terms of how everything else is, mm-hmm. is feeling. Yeah. Um, I don't think in... I get it because I don't think there it would have been that interesting to watch because it's just the same every single day. That's the point of it. Mm. But I think there could have been, like been like more... Some moments of, of like... Because, I mean, when you're... I would assume when you're, you're in something... thrown in right yeah. away... And then, like, one recess or something, and then he's kind of starting to, like, run away. Yeah. You don't really see a whole lot of his time there on his own. In fact, one of the only times you see him on his own is when he first gets thrown in and he rolls that cigarette. And yeah. And he, like, he, like <laughs> nails it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that kid. No, funny. Yeah. It's kind of funny with this film. You see this kid, like, what was it? Stealing shit, smoking, and, like, yeah, going to jail. Fine. So, I'm like, dude, smoking you're, like, cigars. 30 as, like, a 14-year-old. Yeah. What the fuck you He's doing? He's, like, wistfully smoking a cigarette. I'm like, whoa, He's smoking damn. cigars and shit, too, yeah. playing games with his okay. friend. I'm like, what the fuck am I watching right now? Yeah. What What about you, Taylor? Mmm. I'm going to rate this four out of five. Yeah. <laughs> I love how you're like, you mm, tried to like, four to five. <laughs> <laughs> you tried to fake that you were... Have you contemplated? Um, <laughs> I mean, right. so his thing... This film is good. It is a good damn film. And as we've mentioned earlier, with all the coming of age films we've had a chance to witness, like this is definitely one of those that's a, a testament of how you can make a film that doesn't follow the same tropes. The only thing is, I was trying to find what that X factor was. And yes, it does have a timelessness to it. But, you know, it's not anything that's like ridiculously stellar at least from my current understanding of filmmaking so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it so, might change over time all right Oliver. so i also am like a four out of five holy shit see i would have thought you would have given it less no i'm a four out of the five. the way that you're talking about it no i more so what i'm saying is when i hear i guess maybe i should elaborate when i hear that like 99 percent and like 4.2 out of five and akira kurosawa through stanley kubrick like 
all these directors and all this praise. You'd expect like, a five out of five. I film. expect a five out of five, yeah. which is not mm. fair to the movie. Yeah. But I when I hear that when I hear that I was like <laughs> I was expecting just to be yeah. like floored. And I guess that's how I felt about like totally completely different movies, but how I felt about Talk to Me. Because everyone is like oh, yeah. the best horror movie of fair. all time. I mean, and it's like hype, yeah. your expectations. It's, I think it's are different though because this than... movie has been, you know, now out for seventy years. Seventy years and saturated to the point that it has a legacy. Talk to yeah. me. We just watched it. It came out. It's definitely in like the media bubble right now. Right. So it's yeah. a little bit different. I don't don't know if it's a totally fair example, but I get what you mean. Yeah, like, right. for sure. The, how the influence. It'll. Of the I think the masses, difference would yeah. be watching Talk to Me in the next maybe few Four years, years. You yeah. know, and say like, do people still talk about right. it? And then right, seeing if the hype was deserved. But for this one, I just expected like, again, I'll. I think we should do another recording of it because it's it's that worth it. But mm. like when I think of like Twelve Angry Men, yes. I heard all this stuff about it. I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know about this. And then I watched it and I almost immediately was like, oh, this is, this is it. Yeah, like, this, this is, is it. special. This, 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 this is, is this really, good really good. This is the and good that's a spoiler shit. for my rating, I guess, of 12 Angry Men. But like, yeah. I got it. Like, you know, it what? instantly that's... snapped for me where I was like, this is, this is a masterpiece. I get why everyone loves it. And I get why people do love this movie like mm-hmm. i told if you were to tell me any either of you were to be like five stars i'd be like yeah sure i get it yeah but for me i just it it that pedestal it's on it's just so high mm-hmm. i just don't know that it's there for me with with the amount of fantastic movies that exist out there i'm like man this is really really good but it's i just it's not s tier but it's like a tier yeah exactly yeah. a plus tier a plus know, like yeah. it's, it's a four out of five i just think it was overhyped a tiny bit and that didn't affect my rating of it it just affected how i think the hype around it is no and hmm. i think uh there's actually what you mentioned was a really good point there's the uh, the idea of there's good movies and then there's this is good shit watch this like I don't have any... Watch this. It will change your life. What do you do? Here's the DVD. Yeah. Fucking watch it. Yeah. There's a like, difference between those two. And by films. the time this episode comes out, after our episode of After, after Sun will come out, and I know we felt all felt a little differently on it, but for me, After Sun resonated with me more emotionally than this movie did. And that's mm. not to say... And that's just... And again, that's like the beauty of movies, right? It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have sure. to be that way for everyone, but for, for some reason, that movie just really like... It put its hooks in me. Yeah. This movie, it did. I think that too, could also not... be like, uh, like we were talking about coming of age movies being like relatable. Mm-hmm. I feel like if it's if you don't relate to it, then I could see how it wouldn't be like as impactful. On right. paper, though, I think I'd relate to Foreign Blows more than After Sun. Really, right? Um, and hmm, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole. But I just think that, like, again, I don't know. Something about After Sun really worked for me. Again, yeah. me in a way that Foreigner Blows didn't quite work in the same way. Mm-hmm. Both are great. Both right. I'd recommend to anyone. Coming of age movies, those both go into the recommendation list from Oliver with Ooh. Boyhood. Boyhood, you know. number one. Boyhood, woo! That shit's good. Um, um, I think I can agree with you when it comes down to how After Sun stood out in relation to Foreigner Blows, mainly because it really focuses more of a balance in how it explores the internal elements of both the parent and the child. Yeah, I think you get a little bit more, more of, of like the parent side of it in After Sun. Yeah. You I also get think, a lot of that in this movie. I also think that the way that After Sun goes about developing its story and characters 
is less contemporary than 400 Blows, which is interesting because yeah, 400 yeah. Blows, I'm sure at the time, wasn't. But right. this, mm-hmm. this, even though this movie, we've talked about it now at length, but even though this movie is slower paced and all those things, mm-hmm. it's a little bit more typical of like a, a three-act structure and story arc than After Sun is. Um, and I think that that's why After Sun kind of like burned itself into my it's mind. It's much more interesting. It's, it's more Maybe novel. not interesting, but it's just different. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and the payoff of that movie really hit me. Woo! But, yeah. yeah. It, this isn't the After Sun review. <laughs> no, this isn't part two of the After Sun review. I've already done that. Although this is but part maybe two of the coming of age. We should do like a coming of age like a discussion. Tier list or something. Yeah, a tier list of what we've seen so far. Yeah, no, that'd be fun. So yeah. two fours and a four and a half. That's pretty, pretty damn good. good. Yeah, it's not bad. So, Almost yeah. like it's a four point Two on ro- or on Letterboxd. But not a 99% on uh, Tomatoes. So here's, here's his thing. If you are a fan of coming-of-age films and you're interested to see one that is considered timeless or one of the best from various filmmaker standpoints, definitely check this film out. Um, even if you're not used to foreign films or films yeah. from like an older time, give it a shot. It has levity. I definitely think it's worth checking out. I think oh, it's yeah, worth sure. your time. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely yeah. worth your time. It has levity. It has drama. It has a lot of like interesting it elements to explore. It is not a drama crime, though. It is not so a drama do crime. not go that, that into it. It is like for like crime. 10 minutes, maybe a crime <laughs> and it is, bit. I think, <laughs> and I think, he commits crime. Like, I think he commits terms, petty crimes. He steals like milk. Like, that's yeah. it. That's like, well, and a typewriter. Back then, but I, I also think that in terms of these two back-to-back coming-of-age movies we've watched, mm. uh, Foreigner Blows is easier to digest than After Sun. And when I say mm-hmm. that, After Sun deals with some pretty heavy, heavy subject stuff. matter. Heavy. And like, you can you'll be able to tell in our last episode that like it really sucked the air out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it's this movie doesn't make you feel as bad. Right. I, yeah. I don't think. And not that not that yeah. After Sun's trying to make you feel bad, but it's, just yeah. what it's talking about is sad. Yeah. yeah. And it makes you reflect hard. So in that way, Foreign Blows is maybe even an, e- an easier recommend for me than yeah, After Sun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, even though with After Sun you'll get a bigger I would say in, in far a, in like if I was to make a recommendation list, mm-hmm. like hey, you want to check out coming of age movies? That's something you're really into? 400 Blows. I would go Boyhood. Oh, Boyhood. 400 Blows, After Sun. Yeah, I agree. But in terms of what I like more, if you remember my reviews, it's Boyhood and After Sun. I both gave five, mm-hmm. and then Foreign Blows. So just kind of interesting yeah, that, like, yeah, yeah. not yeah, maybe not that. quite for everyone, but it's all are worth checking out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Wait, hold up. Tree of Life. That's considered a coming of age. Is it? That's, that's probably yeah. the hardest recommend out of all. Of this. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I don't god. even I really remember, I I really remember our remember reviews on that. <laughs> Had you cut off? Cut out like the first like thirty minutes of the movie. Yeah, that's like ah, this is pretty good. But it's, <laughs> I think we all uh, liked it though. No, we did. It's just like after like, you get like the that thirty minute sequence. It's like what's just the fuck a lot. Watching? But is that a dinosaur? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, for real. Like, I was oh, like, what is happening? Sorry, anyways. Flashbacks that film. Well, I don't think our drink counter is very. I made I made Oliver. I forgot your name. I made <laughs> that's a damn strong drink. <laughs> I made Oliver pick up two of these, and I told her I was like, "We don't. I d- even don't need. think we needed two of these. I these are sipping drinks. Barely, barely. I struggled. Well, I'm gonna finish them now. Finishing my uh, first glass. Two... <laughs> yeah. 
I, Taylor and I, well, Taylor's had one. Mm-hmm. I've had one in half, You, you started your second one, yeah. Yeah. So, well, I think it's pretty good, but definitely not like... You not, keep not making faces. Give me a break. Every time you take a sip... The more you drink, the better it tastes. <laughs> I'm just over here barely grizzled old man. Like, mm, yeah, it tastes like you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No. All right, everybody. Oh. This has been Cinnamon Hangover. Thank you very much for listening. Yep. See you later. Peace. Cheers. Hey, everyone. If you want more Cinema Hangover, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We also post episodes on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. If you have any movie suggestions or questions, drop a comment on any of our social medias. Also, if you have any drink recommendations, be sure to let us know. And again, thank you for listening.